Thanks for listening to the PocketPod series. If you like what you hear, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you get all the new episodes as they drop. If there's a certain topic that you'd like us to cover, let us know in the comments section. Hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome back to episode 8 of the Pocket Podcast series. I'm here with my host or my co-host, Rachel John. Rachel, how's it going? Good. Um, actually, my stand is a little shaky. I'm moving out in the next month, so I already moved out the table I usually use when I film this podcast. So I have you sitting on my suitcase right now, and my microphone is also sitting on one of my suitcases. So <laughs> my setup's a little shaky, but we'll get through it. Oh, I, I hope your suitcases are well stabilized and your computer's not going <laughs> to fall, fall off while we're talking. Otherwise, we'll just have to re-record this from the beginning. Yeah, we'll be good. No, no sudden movements for the next 15 to 20 minutes. Nope, hands up. <laughs> so for those of you who are just tuning in to your first ever Pocket Podcast series, we created this series to create pocket-sized episodes that fit seamlessly into your everyday busy lives. We typically pick one medical topic that revolves around either of our jobs and try and digest it into bite-sized information for you guys to enjoy throughout your busy days. And today's topic... So today... Go ahead. Yeah, introduce today's topic. So (laughs) today's topic, we're going to be talking about new legislation for transplant medicine. Um, So along the lines of organ donation, by the end of this episode, if you feel like you want to become an organ donor and you're not already, you can always go to to your local DMV and sign up to be an organ donor, or you can just Google your state's registry and sign up there. And we'll remind you again at the end of this episode if you would like to do that. I feel like when I was getting my driver's license, when I was like a senior in high school, it was like a cool thing to get your organ donation on like the back of your license. Do you feel like that's still yeah, a thing? Yeah, you get the is? little heart. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know where that like social cultural phenomenon came from. But I feel like it probably pushed a lot of people to be on the organ transplant list without even totally fully grasping at that age, like what that really entails. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. I remember because you have to be 16 or older to be an organ donor. And when you sign up for your license, there's a little checkbox. And I think people just I mean, it is a really good thing to do. So I think people know that and they just check it, but they don't fully understand. Uh, like there's parts of it where you can even like decide which organs you want to keep and which ones you want to donate so if you go into your registry you can like uncheck the box if you don't want to donate your eyes keep those if you want to donate your heart you can get that but a lot of people don't know that yeah I, I think it's something that we do just because there's a social pressure or social phenomenon behind it and I don't mm-hmm. think anyone ever really anticipates having a family member or a loved one who ends up in a situation where they can uh, become an organ donor But it's almost like one of those things like your living will or your power of attorney or your power of health care that is just nice to have taken care of before you're in stressful situations Mm -hmm. where you have to deal with that, those types of decisions. Yeah, that's a good point. I really want to stress if you do decide to become an organ donor, please let your family know, because if God forbid that ever happens happens where you pass away and we want to use your organs we want your family to be on the same page and know that this is what you would have wanted so make sure you communicate with your family about your decisions absolutely that'd be a pretty awkward situation for your family to have to navigate (laughs) in an already emotionally complex situation Um, so before we get into the news about the biden administration's updates to the uh, organ transplantation system How would you describe uh, organ transplant or organ donation in one or two words? 
Um, if I would, a very vague description in two words, it would be continuing life. So as we know, you give your organs to help someone continue on with their life because maybe their organs are failing or they can't really survive with what they have now. So they need something new to help them continue in living. Nice. Since uh, you picked two words and you picked a positive spin on it, I'm going to also pick two words, but maybe take a more pessimistic approach on it. And I will say healthcare disparity. And we can, I think we'll sort of end our conversation coming back to our two dichotomies of uh, these perspectives of viewing organ transplantation. Um, so why don't you go into kind of the announcements that came out about a week and a half ago? Yeah, so these are kind of the key points that um, have come out in the news recently about it. So recently, the Biden administration, via the Health Resource and Service Administration, uh, they're planning a major revamp of the nation's organ transplant system. So we have this system already, uh, a federal organ transplant system that was created, and they're thinking of breaking up the system that was previously made. Uh, so there was con a congressional probe that found a lot of issues with their organ donation system. And the United Network for Organ Sharing had the only contract for managing this organ donation system. So for about four decades, this was the only program that was really working on our federal organ transplants. Um, so then about 60 organ procurement organizations coordinate organ donations at the local level, uh, but UNOS functions at the national level. So that's uh, something just to keep in mind as we keep talking about this. Exactly. So in 1980, that was the first time our government decided to put in uh, monetary resources uh, into organ transplantation. And there was one organization, like you mentioned, UNOS, which stands for the United Network of Organ Sharing, that took on this project and has been functioning as sort of the sole network at the federal level, determining um, how information is spread in regards to organ transplantation lists, um, what rules and regulations hospitals need to follow. And like you mentioned, there was this uh, probe that found quite a few flaws within the system. Um, so before I let you get into the flaws, let's just talk about why organ transplantation is such a big deal in this country and how if you don't know somebody currently, you will probably at some point in your life run into someone who's been impacted by organ transplants. Um, so there's 42,888 transplants per year in the United States, and there are more than 110,000 patients on the national transplant list. So if you do the quick math there, that is less than 40, that's somewhere between 30 and 40% of the patients who are on that waiting list who are um, getting an organ transplant. So majority of people stay on that list and do not get their organ transplant. Um, thousands wait uh, or, I'm sorry, thousands die every day waiting for a transplant. Um, I should correct myself. Thousands have died every year waiting for a transplant. The math turns out to be 17 patients per day end up dying. Um, and um, so those are kind of the big reasons why organ transplants are a big deal. And for some of you guys who aren't as familiar with organ transplants, the major ones that we think about in um, the surgical realm are going to be kidneys. We do a lot of kidney transplants at my hospital. Uh, liver transplants are also very big. Lung transplants and heart transplants are the two that are becoming more popular and more life-saving um, in recent news. All right. So, so we'll talk about, go ahead. 
do you want to talk about kind of the things that they found in the probe that they saw was going yeah. wrong with the current system? Yeah, so I'm a little more familiar with uh, local donation centers, kind of like Donate Life and everything, but it sounds like with the national system, they were having some issues with, uh, because they're the only one and their system's a little archaic, they're having some issues allocating their organs to certain people. So a lot of minority groups don't have the same access to organs as other groups. Um, uh, so it looks like they're trying to break down that system, figure out what's going on, why some people have more access while others don't, and also introducing there's a possibility of introducing more uh, national organ donation programs to kind of increase that competition and uh, be able to give organs to other people uh, who maybe don't have as much access to it. Exactly. So when you think about sort of our economic, economic system, uh, which is capitalism here, the it, capitalism thrives on having competition because it just makes companies, uh, they're, uh, inefficiencies get pointed out by other companies who do their job better than them. So by introducing this opportunity for other Oregon networks uh, to basically compete with UNOS, that hopefully will improve the system for patients nationwide. So like you were saying, they're trying to make uh, information for patients more available. Uh, a big problem that they noticed were that usable or potentially usable organs were um, often not received by a recipient or that hospitals were declining um, less than perfect organs, even though they would still be functional in certain situations. Um, so these are just situations where we can really increase the percentage of people who are on the transplant list uh, to ultimately getting the transplant that they need. Yeah, and it looks like there's also a significant non-use of donated organs. So one in five kidneys from a deceased, a deceased donor aren't even used, so um, they're, I hope that they're looking into ways to maybe uh, help preserve these organs a little bit more so that more can be used. I know that there are certain regulations, so some organs may not be able to be used, but if we just need to figure out why they can't be used and try to work around that. Yep. And the other big thing that um, the Biden administration here and the HRSA is showing how much they care about organ transplantation is in their money. Um, so the amount of money that the administration is requesting from the um, Congress uh, for their annual budget is going to be double of what their budget was last year. So last year, their budget was $36 million. They're now asking for $67 million going forward for the 2024 fiscal year. And just to kind of wrap up our conversation of all the updates, um, UNO's response was, we welcome a competitive and open bidding process. We believe we have the experience and expertise required to better serve the nation's patients and to help implement HRSA's proposed initiatives. So they don't seem too worried about the position they're being put in. Uh, but again, I think introducing competition is going to be very healthy for this market that has gone pretty much 40 years without any real change or improvement. Yeah. And if you have an organ donation story, please reach out. We would love to hear about it. Um... And I guess that concludes our episode. So what did you take out of today's episode? Uh, before we conclude, I want to just circle back to those two words that we picked. So remind me again what your two words were to describe organ transplantation. My, my two words were continuing life. Continuing life. And so how do you see 
Do you have any personal um, stories of how you saw organ transplantation continuing life? Nothing too personal, but we did have someone come speak to our nursing class last year. Um, and she was a nursing student at Sacred Heart University, and she ended up going through liver failure when she was about 19, I believe. Uh, so none of her family were a match for her. So she ended up reaching out to a bunch of people, writing letters. Uh, she couldn't find anyone. And then eventually our school, I believe it was our school president, sent out an email to the whole school asking for someone to... Uh, be tested to see if they were a match to help her and donate part of their liver to her. So they ended up finding someone from our school. He was the same age as her. Um, everything went well. He was able to give part of his liver to her. Um, all future appointments went well. They were both very healthy. They're still friends. And then she was able to graduate and become a nurse and help others with the organ donation process. So that was very motivational in a way how she was able to find someone to help her and this is a live donation too so it's a little different but she was able to find someone and continue on her journey of becoming a nurse and helping others that's great who doesn't love a good success mm -hmm. story from something like that yeah uh the reason i get so pessimistic about it and i think the word i used was healthcare disparity um, but it really comes down to the fact that donated organs are a limited resource and I commonly think back to COVID times in Italy when I think about limited resources and how that country especially was running out of ventilators and oxygen, even though they had thousands to tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands of patients who required that type of um, treatment. But they were having to decide which patients were going to receive those treatments usually it came down to age and comorbidities. So if there was an 80-year-old versus a 50-year-old who needed a ventilator with oxygen, they were more likely going to give that to the 50-year-old. The same is true for organ donation as well. Um, so let's say you're somebody who needs a liver transplant, like in your story, somebody who is either at the end of their life um, or who has uh, major comorbidities where they're not expected to survive already, like let's say they have cancer and their five-year prognosis is not very good already, that person is probably not going to get that organ transplant. Um, the same is true if this person is 30 years old, but they're still a heavy drinker um, or heavy smoker. You have to have certain lifestyle changes where um, you need to show that you're going to take care of your organ that you're going to receive as a transplant before um, a physician or even this UNOS group will go ahead with assigning you that organ donation. So because mm -hmm. this is such a limited resource, there's a lot of decision, like difficult decisions that I think people are put into to allocate these resources. So I think taking the time, energy, and money to sort of better this process is overall going to be a good thing for this uh, small sector in healthcare. Now we can talk about what we learned today. <laughs> How about, let's start with you. What, what did you learn today? Uh, you know, I've never been one for research. I do love some, I love some areas of research, but I think I'm learning more that how research is really important and kind of cracking down on where our problems are, especially in the system, cracking down on where our problems are, uh, where our faults lie. We can learn from that and create new solutions to make it better. Um, so I hope that with 
uh, everything that's going on. You know, I, I hope that they figure out what's going on at the national level with this organ donation system so we can fix it and hopefully figure out a better way to uh, process these organs and help save lives with them. Agreed. Research becomes invaluable when you find relevant questions to ask. So if you take the time mm -hmm. to sort of investigate a process and look at faults and look at inefficiencies and then ask the appropriate questions, that's where like research can really pay dividends in the future. And one thing I took away from this episode is that our government is taking the time and effort and money to improve this process. I think that's very valuable. I think healthcare often is ignored um, sort of in the grand scheme of media. I mean, COVID made it very relevant, but before that, like most people don't really pay too much attention to things like this. Um, cancer research has done a very good job in getting itself out in the media and on commercials. You always see TV commercials for that. Um, so I think more attention to organ transplantation will be helpful going forward. And I think there's potential in our lifetime to maybe see organ transplants being more accessible and more available for people going forward. I'd give you a kidney if you needed one. <laughs> you better. <laughs> uh, well, thanks Only for a match though, then it wouldn't work. <laughs> <laughs> I'd give you a kidney too. Maybe part nice. of my liver. We'll see. We'll see where I am in life at that point. <laughs> so generous. <laughs> <laughs> you still got a lot of potential left in you, so you probably went to. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad your computer and your microphone survived this pocket pod episode. And hopefully <laughs> the next time we talk, we'll be a little bit more situated. Yeah, I'll see you next time. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Talk to you next time.